0: CSN International presents To Every Man and Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for
1: the hope that lies within you.
2: If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-8888-ASK-CSN.
1: Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, we're Always glad when you join us, looking forward to being with you for the next hour or so as we set this time aside to look at the treasures in God's Word that helps us live our lives for Him each and every day. And so again, if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call is 8888-ASK-CSN. And again, if you've got a question concerning, well, what Christians believe or what's going on in the world, Maybe you've just been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand. Hey, call us. That's why we're here for you. Again, 8888 he is the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. Now, joining us today also, we have with us John Randall from Calvary Chapel OC, down by San Clemente,
3: California. Hi, and welcome, John. Mike, great to be back with you today, brother. God bless you. Hello to the CSN family on this Tuesday.
1: Uh, you just got back from Hawaii as well. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, what was the, uh, uh, the flyback there that you were getting from, uh, from Maui?
3: Well, you know, I was at a conference, uh, there in, uh, Honolulu with several, with the majority of the pastors uh, who pastor over there in the different islands, and one of which was the pastor in Lahaina, Steve Santos, who's a friend of mine. And um, boy, he, he actually, at the conference I was at, he spoke right before me. And I tell you, Mike, it was hard to follow because my heart was just so broken for my brother that I've known for years and and they're really going through it over there. They've had such a difficult time and and just assessing what the needs are. His house is packed wall to wall with people who've been displaced, lost loved ones and so we're, we're praying for opportunity. There's, there's now boots on the ground. People are starting to assess the situation so that we can help. And we're just probably like many people just waiting for that green light to be the hands and feet of Jesus in ways that are very practical and helpful to those in need.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, the, uh, the count that they give us is about somewhere around 115. But the locals there are mm-hmm. saying the count is at least 480 to over 500 people. And they wow. still have thousands missing. Uh, I think mm. it's about eleven hundred or so currently is still are still missing. And so mm. um, again, they weren't just burnt; they were literally incinerated. They were cremated. Mm-hmm. Um, the fire was moving at a mile an hour, a mile a minute, is how fast. Why it got so many people? I I've shared the story. I don't know if I was with you, John, when I shared about. Uh, Uh, a fellow named Scotty that I met in Hilo uh, as he came back over from Lahaina because there's nothing there. He had Mm -hmm. relatives that lived in Hilo. And um, I was with a a friend and he had a sign, Jesus saves. And uh, Scotty walks up and he looks at the sign and he said, Jesus saved my life. And I said, well, how did he save your life? And he said, well, I was there. The fire was coming. And I got in my truck to try to leave, and I went out to get on the highway, and it was bumper to bumper because all the telephone poles had fallen over and blocked the highway, and so then I backed up, and I hit a telephone pole. He says "I've lived there for twenty years, I didn't even know it was there, but the smoke was so thick i I couldn't see where I was going, and I got back to my house, and he said, "Then I got out of the truck realizing I, I have to run to the ocean because the air was getting so hot." And he says, as I was running along, he said, I saw people laying on the ground uh, that had been overcome by the smoke. And he said, I, I ran to the ocean and there was a lady there from Texas, a little short lady, about 70 years old. And he said, you have to follow me or you're going to die. And so she went with him and she says, I can't get in the water. I don't know how to swim. And he said, you come with me, I'll, I'll show you. He said, I, "I did a lot of um, diving there. I grew up there, and he says, "I went in. there was a reef out in the water, about 200 feet." He said, "So I went out and stood on it with well, a lady who was too short, she would be underwater. So she crawled up on my back, and for eight hours he held this wow. woman on his back until oh at daybreak this Coast guard rescued them. And But he said what wow. was so awful, He said, through the night, he could hear people screaming. He said, you could hear the the fire burning, uh, gas tanks on cars blowing up. He said, it was the most horrific thing he said I've ever seen. And so we prayed for the man. And I just asked the Lord that God would change his his focus of his life from things temporary to things eternal. Because again, he saw things, as I believe anybody in Lahaina that lives saw things, that you could never really describe. I heard it, this, somebody said the the city of, of Lahaina looks more like Pompeii uh, mm-hmm. after the volcano. Uh, and so yeah. when we realize uh, just how precious life is, we do want to, in fact, pray for the people uh, there in Hawaii, uh, their relatives. Uh, it's very family. Now, not so much in Honolulu, uh, it's very big. But when you get into the smaller communities scattered out throughout Hawaii, everybody knows somebody, relative of somebody from another island, And uh, our heart goes out to you sincerely for all of our listeners there right now. Right now on Maui, we have two uh, stations there, one on the south part, one on the north part of the island. And our prayers are with you, and we want to just continue to hold you up and and let you know you've got a lot of Christians praying for you right now. And uh, again, uh, I think there's going to be stories really... um, you know, John, that are going to come out of out of Lahaina uh, for probably twenty years of these incredible, incredible stories and and incredible rescues as well. But right. uh, again, keeping them in our prayers is so important because again, everybody uh, that I knew uh, on the Big Island, in one way or another, uh, was affected by this, uh, and so yeah, yeah. it was just really a, a an amazing, amazing time because again. Uh, something that started at 3 o'clock, I believe, they they, they said it started earlier, they got it out, then it came back on again. And and that's when it started uh, really uh, burning the poles and things falling across the highway, blocking the roads. But imagine fire coming at you at a mile a minute. Uh, That is incredibly fast. You can't run a mile a minute. Um, And so... Uh, people would go out of their homes and they'd feel the 130 degree air wind blowing off the fire and they go oh I don't want to go outside and so they'd close the door and go back in their house and for many people that was their death sentence because the fire was going to be there in just just a few moments and completely consume their house and then the temperatures were well above uh, where you could go outside and that's why so many people died and children died and and Again, the locals put the number way above, uh, way above 400, right up around 5 plus hundred people, and again, um, anywhere from about 800 to 1100 people still missing. So, uh, it is um, really, really a heart a heartbreaking thing. But, you know, again, uh, you know, John, I, I just believe as I look globally, and you look at what's going on in the Ukraine, you look what's going on. Uh, just everywhere I I believe this is Jesus said I believe we're in the age of sorrows in Matthew chapter 24 it's not going to get better friends and I just want to tell everybody today is the appointed day of salvation tomorrow is not promised to any of us you know you may not be here the Lord might take us all home or the people you want to talk to may not be here so again every day is quite precious 88. Eighty-eight. Ask CSN's the number to call. Let's go to Jeff, Lamar, Colorado. Hi, welcome.
4: Hello, I love your show. Kind of makes me think of the the, the fires in uh, at, at Basra in the uh, uh, Minor Prophets. But yeah. anyways, uh, I was on Facebook talking. Uh, this guy put in there that uh, do apostles uh, uh, do apostles or uh, do they lie and. Uh, I put in there where it says in second uh, Peter that uh, the Holy Spirit that the Bible was written by holy men as they were led by the Holy Spirit. and he pipes in there that Paul lied. well, I had never really studied that. So I googled uh, the lies of uh, the lie of Paul and there was three of them. and in, uh, in, in also in Google it talked about how that Paul gave his own confession that he was a liar and so i wanted to discredit this guy for trying to discredit the bible but uh, that is in there how do and so i got to meditating about it a little bit and come to the point that you know even uh uh even david who we uh lift up he he was a murderer and an adulterer and so i was wanting to know how i could have answered him better because he was trying to discredit the word, and I didn't appreciate that.
1: Well, they always do, and and uh, because if you can discredit the Bible, then you can discredit the message, and you can stay comfortably in your sin and go to hell with buggy springs. Well, uh, the problem is, as Paul said, as sinners, I am chief. He recognizes. And see, the, the problem is, is when we, we understand, the Bible says all men are liars. Uh, um, uh, this is one of the great problems we have. But there is a time in in which we work under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is why God inspired people. As an example, John in Revelation chapter 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This is where he was communing with God. He wasn't being troubled at that moment by the flesh, but he had uh, really entered into that place. And I believe that place is available for any of us if we want to go there. Um, and as the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And, and I believe as in that stillness, in that still small voice we hear from God as Elijah did. I believe that we will hear that voice and will be able to move in the spirit. Unfortunately, when we're confronted with so many things in the world today, we find ourselves in the flesh. Because otherwise, the Bible the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We have to realize that the Bible was written by men, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is what Paul is talking about. As sinners, he's chief. Yes, he understood what it was like to be a sinner. He went around persecuting the church. He did all these things. He realized, knew what he was. But that doesn't mean that he at did, times didn't enter into the Spirit or... Or record for us how the Lord used him and others as we're going through the book of Acts on Sunday morning here at our fellowship, the river in Twin Falls. We're going through that, seeing how God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That didn't mean they were perfect because none of us are. But the thing is when the Bible was written. And here's the thing. If there is an issue with the Bible, what's the issue about it? What isn't true about the Bible? is it not telling us the truth about true nature of man well i as i look at man i think it's nailed it perfect as we look at the nature of christ i think it's perfectly crystal clear who jesus was as we look at eschatology or study of end time things he's nailed it i mean when you look at the bible we're headed for a one world order one world government one world monetary system where you're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark name or number on your hand or on your forehead almost every day now we hear something in the news about them wanting to put a chip in you so that they can keep track of you so that you would not be able to do anything outside of what they want you to do yeah talk about your freedoms evaporating hey well there it is No, I don't see anything the Bible says. Your thoughts?
3: Well, one thing I appreciate about the scriptures, if I might say so, Jeff, is the transparency of the Bible. It actually strengthens my case that the Bible is an honest work. And I I think of Noah. He was caught in drunkenness and inappropriate nakedness, Genesis tells us. Think about Abraham lying on more than one occasion. I think about Moses murdering a man in Egypt and seeking to cover it up. David An adulterer, Peter, a denier, Paul, a persecutor of the church, an insolent man, a blasphemer. The fact that, that the Bible is willing to be honest about the failures of the individuals within it to me only strengthens my case for the validity. It's the forthrightness of the failures of the characters in the Bible that it's not just talking about all their highlight reel. This is, this is when they failed, when they didn't do things right. And the Bible, uh, presents that, you know, a great way. And by the way, we don't just, and I know you know this, Jeff, but we don't need to defend the Bible. Uh, Spurgeon says, you don't need to defend the Bible any more than you defend a lion. You just let it out of the cage. It'll do it all by itself. The Bible is the indestructible book. And the Bible says that concerning itself, the word of the Lord endures forever. But a great way when talking to people who want to attack the Bible, a good friend of mine came up with this and he said, here's what you think of. Think of the word faces. The F stands for fulfilled prophecy. Think about all the fulfilled prophecy sets the Bible apart. How about the letter A, archaeological evidence? Look at all the the evidence that's there. These are real places that are described. How about the consistency of the Bible, the internal harmony of it, written over thousands of years, three different languages, four different continents, and yet there is a cohesiveness and consistency that sets the Bible apart from any other would-be, wannabe religious book. Then you have extra biblical writings that only validate the truth of Scripture, and then you have scientific accuracy and foresight. All of these things together only prove the validity of the Bible. So the attackers are going to come. They've always spoken against the word of God, but it's amazing. The word of the Lord endures forever, regardless of what the skeptics say. And I'm glad that the Bible records for us the failures of the heroes, because I can identify with that. And yet God still uses our lives in spite of it. So
1: when we look at this verse, and again, um, your thoughts on this verse, uh, Romans Three seven John, because again, mm. this is where Paul says, for if the truth of God had more abound had hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why am also why am I mm. judged as a sinner, your thoughts,
3: yeah, you know Paul here typically uh everywhere Paul went, his ministry was seeking to be undermined by several groups, one of which was. The Judaizers, and these were the religious zealots of the day, and they followed Paul to every church he started and tried to undermine it. They called him a liar. They say, you don't really teach the gospel. You're leaving out things. So I don't think Paul is saying, hey, I'm a liar and I'm preaching a lie. Actually, this is what was being said concerning Paul. They called him all of these things, although he did admit to before he knew Christ, he was a blasphemer and an insolent man. But he said, I did it ignorantly. But but this is Paul under attack. And there would be letters, you look at his epistles, where Paul has to defend his ministry, it's almost like tongue-in-cheek. Like, let's say I'm i am lying. Okay, for the sake of argument, I'm lying. Then how come God is blessing, or why is God doing this? He isn't saying that I'm lying in order to further the gospel. So I think you need to um, understand the context in which it's written and the fact that Paul, on more than one occasion, is having to defend his ministry to those who are constantly assailing it.
1: Yeah, I believe that um, the Holy Spirit there is just skillfully outlining his legal case for um the prosecution of sinful mankind and hmm. they uh, and he just simply is saying well th- if this is what they're saying about me uh then how, how does this work so i hope that yeah, why answers am i being judged why am i being judged i hope that ha- answers your question
4: it does, and they also went on to say in Google that they referred Revelation, where Jesus said some were false, uh, some were false apostles, and uh, they were they were saying they don't know if Jesus was referring to him or not.
1: Of course not. And no, and no, again, not. that is just crazy stuff. The false apostles that were going around, uh, in they 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 were bad in in the early church. They would go around and you know God has told me to you know for you to prepare a great turkey dinner. Well, it was so bad and these guys were going around doing this kind of stuff that they actually came together and, and they said, look, if somebody prophesies uh, uh, something, they're not to partake of what that that they say. In other words, if they prophesied a big turkey dinner, they were not allowed to eat of that turkey dinner, as an example, uh, because they were prophesying to benefit themselves. Those are what it's talking about. Paul was never a false apostle. And John and all of them knew each other. And so this is where I believe, again, this is just their absolute insanity in looking at the Bible. Because, first of all, they don't know the Holy Spirit. Because if they did, they would see the continuity through the, through the entirety of the Bible. But the message is what they don't like. They don't like what Paul said. They really don't like what Jesus said. So if we can discredit the book, we can discredit the message. Now, they tried to do that to Jesus. If we can discredit the messenger, well, our father Abraham taught us, or Moses said, um, who are you, Jesus? If they could discredit Jesus, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? They would say to Jesus. Well, he said, those are the sick ones, and they are the ones that need the doctor. You see, the the problem is, if you can discredit the messenger, you can discredit the message. If you can discredit the Bible, you can discredit its message. And that's what they work overtime to do. Because believe me, Romans chapter 1 is like scalding water on the sins of our culture today. If you haven't read Romans 1 lately, everyone, check it out. It'll help you clarify what and how God's going to judge the world someday. You know, people say that. Well, you know, Jesus is going to reign from Jerusalem. How's he going to judge the world? I mean, what's what's his uh, uh, constitution? What's Jesus' Bill of Rights going to be? Well, if you know the Bible, you'll know the answer. Because the Bible is how God's going to judge the world someday. Not only in eternity, but as he sets up and rules from Jerusalem. This is why, again... When you know the Bible, you know the rules. Hope that helps.
4: It does, because I hold a lot to Paul's in-time stuff, and uh, and, uh, and so that was kind of playing in my mind there. But I appreciate that, and I hope this Rosh Hashanah will be the day.
1: Hey, I'll tell you, for everybody listening, um, Paul says, I share a mystery with you, and this is at the last trump. Now, people say, well, that's the seventh trumpet in Revelation. No, it's not. Clearly, it is not. So we know that. There's a lot of trumps in the Bible, trumpets that are. But the festival of Rosh Hashanah is so unusual because there's a bunch of trumpets that are blown to remind people, prepare yourself for, for Yom Kippur coming in a week, the new year. And so instead of just having New Year's resolutions on December 31st, as we do in the Western culture, they would prepare themselves for a time before. So every time they would hear a trumpet blow, they would think about, have I wronged anybody? Do I owe anybody any money? Have I, have I uh, uh, been dishonest? Have I done this? Have I done that? Because again, you see, this is how they would begin to really reflect on their lives. Then the last trumpet is blown. The last trumpet is the so far. It is blown with the first three stars there on uh, the first three stars you can see on rashana and then the the seven seven day waiting period begins and then uh the new year begins seven days later it is interesting that there's a seven year tribulation period and then there's going to be a new year and fact, actually a new millennia where Jesus Christ reigns does that line up? Could that be it? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But I'll tell you one thing. Jesus always seems to do things on high holy days in the Bible, whether it was Passover, whether it was first fruits, whether it was was uh, um, all, all of them, all, all the way through. We find the, the fulfillment of, of Jesus doing things on these days. And uh, Rosh Hashanah is not one that has been fulfilled nor, I believe, has the um, has uh, young Kapoor. So, any last thoughts on that?
3: No, I agree with you. Hey, great, great response there. And uh, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Maranatha. Ready.
1: Yeah, just kind of feeling kind of weightless. That's all. Just uh, <laughs> when Gabriel blows, we're going to go and we're out of here. Jeff, stay online. We'll send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. And again, you want to uh, again uh, defend the scriptures when they point these kinds of things out, uh, th- th- it's not talking about Paul. In fact, just to tell you very quickly, uh, when they canonized the scripture, there were so many false gospels that were out there. There was the gospel according to Mary, the gospel of Judas, the book of Barnabas, the book of Enoch. All these were rejected because they were goofy. Now, people today say, well, look at the book of Enoch. It, it-, it says, the listen... If it was junk then, it's junk now. And just because it's old doesn't give it any authority. And so this is why it was rejected. And they were close enough in proximity to the actual events to know what was going on. So again, this is why I believe we have such a treasure in God's Word and that we see how, again, Revelation, the leading up to it, what the Bible says about the Middle East— All these things are happening. And again, you can fake a lot of stuff, but you can't fake prophecy. Oh, you can fake prophecies like Notre Dame and Edward Casey. And, oh, you know, when there's three clouds and then there's a moon and the star. And then you have all these procrastinators saying, well, the three clouds represent the three continents and then the moon coming up. You don't know what they're talking about. But when Jesus says Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And he goes on to say, the generation that sees this is the last generation. Friends, I believe that clock of Jerusalem is so important. By the way, that that Jesus said there, Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled there in Luke 21, um, really proves preterism, is a total hoax. So I hope that helps. Jeff, stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Leslie, Reno, Nevada.
5: Hi, Mike. Um, I just wanted to ask you about, my job uh, involves me staying at people's houses because I'm a pet sitter. Uh-huh. And this one lady that I stay at regularly, I've just kind of noticed that, In her bedroom, which I do have to go into to take care of her cat, Um, there's like a, I don't know if I'd call it an altar, but it's like a a little coffee table, and it's got a Buddha, one of those salt rock things, I don't know what, crystal rocks or whatever, Mm -hmm. and and some Hindu books. Should I not be there? Well, how
1: else would you ever be able to share the Lord with her, dear?
3: Your thoughts, John? Well, you know, Jesus said that we're called to be salt and light, and in order to be light, sometimes we end up in darkness and we shine. I don't think it's wrong for you to be there unless you sense from the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is kind of one of those things where you can pray, and do you feel peace about going there? Um, Maybe God's put you in that home for that very reason, to be a light in a dark place. And we see so many of God's servants being placed in interesting places, whether it was Daniel in the midst of Babylon, you talk about idolatry, or how about Moses in the midst of Egypt, or Joseph in the midst of Egypt. God places his people sometimes in unique spots in order that they would be able to shine the light of who God is. But definitely something to pray about and seek the Lord on, Leslie.
1: Yeah, Leslie, I hope that answers it for you. We're coming up on a break everyone. once in line. Leslie, we'll send you out the movie Jesus. And we're going to have a lot more to every minute and answer coming up right after these messages. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening to CSN Radio, where God's word is heard. Did you know your financial support is a primary reason we can broadcast over 400 stations nationwide? It's true. We are grateful for your partnership. As you know, our nation is battling over religious and civil freedoms. Here at CSN Radio, our listeners can trust us to be a solid biblical teaching foundation and share a Christian perspective on current times. The importance of reaching the masses is greater than ever. We need your support in this uncertain time of chaos and strife. We are excited to share that we plan to add more stations in 2023 and 2024. This means we will reach more of the lost, broken, and deceived. Mark 16 verse 15 quotes Jesus. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We need your support in funding the building of these new stations. You can go to csnradio.com slash donate or call 1-800-357-4226. That's csnradio.com slash donate or call us at 1-800-357-4226.
2: CSN, the Christian Satellite Network, is broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide. With stations in 45 of our 50 states, we're never far from where you are. Get a full station list or listen anywhere in the world 24-7 at CSNradio.com. You can be a part of CSN by spreading the word. Join us on Facebook and tune in every day for the best Bible-based teaching and modern praise and worship music. CSN International, where God's word is heard.
1: Welcome you back to part two of Jeffrey Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County. And I'm your host, Mike Kessler in Twin Falls, Idaho. And we have Jennifer on the line, Houston, Texas. Hi and welcome.
0: Hi, Mike. Uh, Hi. you so much, Pastor Mike, um, for listening, taking my call. Uh, so I'll be brief. My question is, I was listening to your message on Sunday on my way to church. My mom and I were listening, and you, were ta- you started ministering to the unsaved, and you were talking about how they didn't have a daddy if they were unsaved, yep. and um, I was wondering, if you didn't say that their father was the devil. And so I immediately thought of the passage of Scripture that said where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he said, your father is the devil and your, you know, your will is to do their, your, your will is to do their will, their, their Satan's will. So I was wondering, was that something specific that Jesus said to them or are all believers, all non-believers, is their father the devil?
1: Well, they may not know it. That's, that's the thing, um, you know, because a lot of times, you know, they, you know, you ask an average worldly person, is your father the devil? They'll say no. Uh, they wouldn't believe that. But when I was talking about that you need a daddy, uh, we need a heavenly father... Uh, Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, which art in heaven, which means we're his kids, which means kids do bad, dumb, stupid things, and we need to be corrected sometimes, but also we have the benevolence of a Father in heaven who wants to bless us and be good to us. Now, again, if a person is not born again, they don't have a daddy. Uh, um, Now, a person that is, um, I believe, in deliberate rebellion to God, of course— They embrace the underworld. They embrace Satanism. They embrace that. But the result's the same. If you don't have um, uh, uh, Jesus, if you don't have him forgiving your sins, if you've not been adopted into the family of God, you're without a heavenly father. Um, The unsaved may not know they're consciously serving the world and the devil. And then there are those that that are. Uh, I don't really believe that the Pharisees could sit there and plot Jesus' death with the rolls of Scripture hanging on their wall in the pigeonholes and the scrolls, plotting Jesus' death in some way believing that they were right with God. Either that or they're so blinded by the lie of this world. Because again, when we understand that there are people in the occult, of the, yes, there are. There are people in religious circles in the occult. They portray that they're serving God, but their power comes from somewhere else. It ain't from God. Your thoughts, John?
3: Well, I think in the context uh, of that passage, Jennifer, Jesus is in the midst of a confrontation with the religious leaders who were secretly, as Mike mentioned, plotting his death. And so as there is this going back and forth, this dialogue, this confrontation with um, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, Jesus earlier in that chapter talks about him bearing witness of himself. And if I, I, in verse 16, he said, my judgment is true for I'm not alone, but I am with my father who sent me. And they said, well, where is your father? And then Jesus answered them in verse 19. He said, you neither know me nor my father. If you'd known me, you would have known my father also, and then later on, they you know are continuing and uh, to talk about the Father and Jesus is confronting them. And so when he says you're of your Father, the devil, he, he's talking about he was a liar from the beginning. This was his desire. What they were doing, they were lying, they were deceiving, they were basically advocating the will of the devil. You remember there was a time when Peter came to Jesus and sought to rebuke him for wanting to go to the cross, and Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. He wasn't calling Peter Satan, but just the fact that Peter was saying you shouldn't go to the cross, that was demonic. That was the devil's desire. And so I think, you know, people do need to know who their heavenly father is. And of course, uh, this is what was being advocated in this, in this passage. But I think Jesus is specifically speaking to the Pharisees, um, but we want to know who our Father is, and we're introduced to Him through the work of Jesus Christ. That's how fellowship is restored, and uh, it's a good question you ask. So I hope that answers it for you, Jennifer.
0: Yes, it does. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's so great that you can honestly say, we can honestly, See, and this is what makes Christianity different than every other religion of the world, mm. because they all are worshiping the unknown God. They're... Only in Christianity do you find where God uh, wants to be our father. Not that we have to continually burn incense to to somehow appease him. Isn't it interesting that even in foreign religions they know God is angry? To burn incense to appease gods or leave uh, trays of rice before the statues or these different things. But you see, they don't tell you how to get right with God. And not only just right with God to have your sins forgiven but then to become his child. No religion in the world offers that. You, you, all you can do is hope to be at one with nature or being reincarnated as something le- uh, greater than what you currently are or, or some other thing. See, these this is the difference. It's a personal relationship with God. Religion doesn't offer that. Go out, go door to door, do a bunch of good stuff, wear blue, eat organically grown food, sell flowers in airports, eat Twinkies, you just might make it. They got their list. I mean, put your own list in there, whatever church you go to. But that's not what being a child is. A child is born in you, in your family. And and my kids come to me, I, I don't say, Well, now, how many doors have you knocked on today in order for me to listen to thy petition? No, they just go, Daddy. And I love that, because that's the way God wants us to. Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. Boy, I'll tell you, Jennifer, such a difference between a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ and that old attempt to reach God called religion. What a difference. Stay in line, send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it, okay?
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much.
1: God bless you, dear. Thanks so much for the call. 8888 Ask CSN. If you want to be part of the program today, we're going to go to Theron in the Dalles, Oregon. Hi, welcome.
5: So if I've been tracking uh, TEMA accurately, every person is made up of uh, three parts, the body, soul, and spirit. Yep. My first question is, is there any reason we cannot trace that? three parts all the way back to the fertilized cell, the zygote.
1: Well, it's interesting that you mention that, because we do find that when um, uh, Mary came to Martha, they were both uh, pregnant, and uh, when Jesus was mentioned, uh, John the Baptist leaped in her womb. So, so it's interesting, and we do know that embryos can feel pain, of course, uh, all these things. Um, and uh, there was years ago a movie that came out on uh, that was uh, really exposing the horrors of abortion called Silent Scream, and what actually happens, and they show uh, the the cringing. They they show all these things. So no, I, I believe there's real feelings, real emotions uh, in the in, in a baby, but the Bible says life begins at conception. So I I think we can we can rest in that. Your
3: thoughts, John yeah i love the passage in psalm 139 where uh, the psalmist declares and this is the new living translation but it says you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb you watched me as i was being formed in utter seclusion and as i was woven together in the in the dark of the womb the lord knew us then and we be, we do believe mike that life begins at conception, And that's where it starts. And it's worth defending. It's worth standing against those that would seek to terminate it. And um, this this is a real issue that we battle against, especially here in my state, in California, where we are known as and want to be known, at least by our governor's standpoint, as a sanctuary of death. But we're here to be a sanctuary that defends life. And uh, so I appreciate, appreciate what the Bible has to say about how God feels about his creation and, and the beauty thereof.
1: And then really, you know, Theron, after a person is born and we go through adolescence, we very clearly see that just as God created us in his image, his image is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are also a triune being. We have a body, mind, and a spirit. Now, Jesus said, Marble, not that I say to you, you must be born again. There's something that died in man back in the garden. It's been dead ever since. There's some kind of inner conscience of the presence of God is gone. And so when we ask God to come back into our life again, he borns his spirit back into us. But we know that you can go to an alcoholic and you can look at that person. I've done this, so I know. Do you know you your drinking or your drugging is killing you? And they will say yes. And then you'll ask them, do you want to stop? And they'll say yes. Will you stop? No. Why? There's something lacking within man. And the Bible says that originally the spirit was to tell the mind, and the mind then told the body what to do. But when the spirit died within man, the body then tells the mind what it's going to do. Because again, an alcoholic will say, Yes, I know what my body is craving is killing me, but I won't stop. That is overruling the mind. Otherwise the mind could say to the body, we're going to stop drinking or we're going to die. But there's no strength within the mind to stop the body. The Bible talks about the fleshly appetites and how they supersede common sense. Don't you know, if you go out partying, on, on, on Friday night or Saturday, night, you're going to end up with some kind of a de- disease you're never going to get rid of. I don't care. I want it. And they pay the consequence for their entire life. Then, to cover those consequences, we begin to alter ourselves, get a buzz on, so that we can cope with who we are. This is where I believe again without the Holy Spirit, without God born His Spirit anew in us. I believe that there is not the power we need. And yes, we can go to AA and DA and all the other uh, anonymous that are out there. And you know, man, I stopped, you know, I stopped drinking, man. Now I just do a couple bags of dope a week. And when I got off of dope, then I'm just a TV idiot now and I just watch TV all the time. You, you, we're addictive personality by nature and so without the holy spirit to govern the mind to govern the body this is why we find the conditions where why people jump off bridges with perfectly healthy bodies it's because they're sick in their soul there i hope that helps
5: so my second question is uh, if i've been tracking uh Tima again accurately uh your name has to be entered into the book of life in order to get into heaven, but that uh, requires repentance and acceptance uh, of uh, your your sins and so on. So my question is, uh, what happens to the soul and the spirit of a fetus who miscarries?
3: Okay, your thoughts? Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, it doesn't say this is what happens to uh, a fetus uh, that miscarries, but... In light of that, I would look at the uh, the totality of Scripture and the nature of God, and I would weigh on the side that that child goes to be with the Lord, who never had an opportunity to hear the gospel, never had the chance to um, ever know Christ or be told that there was life beyond. I, I do believe that those children go home to be with the Lord. That is my personal take on that, and uh, and. Mike, you can weigh in on that, but that's where I where I stand on that particular. And it's a good question that you asked there. And there's certain questions that you kind of look at the Bible and you think, Lord, could you just spell it out? And He doesn't. He doesn't say this is what happens. And so we're left to use the rest of Scripture. You look at the character and the nature of God and the promises of God and how he feels about kids. And you know, Jesus said, remember Jesus said to his disciples, hey, listen, unless you become like a little child, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. He would say in another place that such is the kingdom of heaven like these little children. So there's a special place that God has in his heart for kids, the unborn and the born. Or I should say the preborn and the born. And Jesus said anybody that would harm a child in any way um, will be held accountable for that. And uh, so I, I do believe that child, children that are miscarried. And I'm sure there are many listening here today, ladies who have miscarried before. I know my own wife. We went through that one time and lost a child. And yet uh, I am confident that although we never met, we'll see him again.
1: Yeah. And, and we find, uh, again, in the book of Jonah, for instance, the very last chapter, you can look at this. Mm-hmm. Very compassionately, God speaks to, to Jonah about the destruction that did not fall upon the city of Nineveh. And he talked about those people that were there that could not discern the right hand from their left. Speaking of children and the mercy that God had for them. So I believe that's extremely important uh, that we understand God's a merciful God. And so where do where do uh, those that go that die in the womb or whatever, uh, even babies? I, I believe they go to be with the Lord until they come to what we would call the age of accountability now where that is not spelled out in the bible there is a point where a person lives on their own recognizance where they understand the difference between right and wrong those kinds of things i believe that's where uh as we would gather from scripture um uh this is where a person then uh would would be held accountable for their lifestyle i hope that
5: helps so uh just to be sure you're uh, you're saying that uh, the miscarriages would go to heaven even though their name is not in the book of life
3: well, I would say who 's to say they 're not in the book of life how How do we know that you know how do we know to the you 're getting into things that are deeper into the sovereignty of God that no finite man could fully comprehend. Um, uh, if God knows the end, we're talking about things. How do I know the beginning? For, I don't know the beginning of the end, but the Lord does. So we're getting into something that we can scratch the surface of and go, explain to me the sovereignty of God in this realm. I, I really couldn't. Um, I'm just going off of, I think, based upon the totality of Scripture, God's character, God's nature, and would believe, as Mike mentioned, uh, that, that children, they go to be with the Lord if never given the opportunity. God is just. He is merciful. He is gracious. Um, So that would be our take on it, I think. That's our perspective. Heaven will reveal it, but I'm pretty confident uh, in that and and feel like I could say it on air that these kids go home to be with the Lord.
1: Yeah, and and again, uh, I I believe that, again, uh, God does make exceptions in His Word not to excuse sin. But I do believe that, again, if a person did not have the opportunity Uh, I believe then then this is where I believe that a person that, uh, again, never even really got to breathe on their own. uh, I believe God's great mercy is extended. Jesus said something important. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Honestly, Theron, I don't know. Are there going to be children in heaven? Well, such is the kingdom of heaven. So I don't understand that. Now, I know we as adults that have accepted Christ, we're going to be just the right age. But I don't know. I, I really don't understand all about things. I don't know what's inside the atom. I don't know what's beyond the stars. I know God's hit them. Uh, the Bible says he holds all things together. By nature, the atom should explode because like charges repel, But in the nucleus of every atom, you have positive and negative charges, depending on what it is. But if they're all positive charges there, which they have to be to be in the nucleus, by nature, they should repel each other and blow up. God holds that. But the Bible says someday this world is going to melt with fervent heat. And I believe he's just going to simply let the atomic structure do what by nature it would do without God holding it together. Again... What's beyond the stars? I don't know. Um, um, What's it like to live and never have any pain? I mean, a lot of our bodies don't work too good. Uh, I don't know what that's like, but I know someday I will. I know someday in heaven, I'm not going to, I'm going to hurt anymore. See, so I, I don't have to understand everything. All I have to understand, God's a good God. He's a fair God. Those people whose names are written in the book of life are there because they asked to be written in there. But if you never had a chance to ask, I believe that's why God extends that mercy in those situations. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. There I am. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Very provocative. Uh, Stay in line. I'll send you the movie Jesus based out of the book of Luke. What you see there is what you, you hear the scriptures being read to you and the colors the uh everything they went to great extent to make that as biblically accurate as they could with no hollywood production added on the site think you'll really enjoy it There are on uh stay online we'll get one of those out to you let's go to charles Coeur d'Alene, idaho how may we help hi how may we help hey hey yeah i got a question about uh well the nephilim i guess but my friend he's convinced that uh that angels came down and had sex with women and created the giants. And Mm. I don't see in Scripture where the angels were considered sons of God. Uh, Well, the the Bible does say in the book of Job that that, uh, the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord. Now, that is speaking of angels. But the Bible also says sons of God more than referring to angels— Sons of God are referred to human beings more than angels. The idea that angelic beings had sex with human beings there in Genesis chapter 6 was a foreign concept in Christianity and in Judaism until about 300 AD, where some people believe this is where some of the ideas came from out of the book of Enoch, which was not canonized because of other crazy things it says as well. And so this was a foreign concept. Jesus, interestingly enough, does the commentary on the book of, of Genesis chapter 6 in Matthew chapter 24. He says, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage until Noah entered the ark. Now, here's what's important. It doesn't say they were having wild sex orgies with angels. It doesn't say that. I think Jesus would have said that if that would have been the case. I believe the sons of God were simply the descendants of Seth. And today we see the same problem as well. We see that there is the Christians dating people in the world and they give up their Christianity. Well, I'm going to do some missionary dating only to find it works the other way. Uh, and, And the reason I say this is because... We find in Genesis 6, 8, an exception. But Noah, but Noah, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. Noah was one that had not corrupted himself. The children of God, where, and and, and if it's not speaking of the children of God, the sons of God there, if it's not speaking of human beings, descendants of Seth, then where were any believers? There aren't any. There aren't any. The last group of people that should have known what God expected had corrupted themselves. But only Noah found grace in the sight of God. Where would have the other, so to speak, believers had been? They weren't there. So that's why I believe it is speaking of that. You don't find and uh, demons or angels, either one, a procreative force. They are messengers, they're warriors, uh, speaking of angels, uh, messengers, warriors, protectors, all kinds of things, but they don't procreate, and they don't create. And so there's a lot of real problems with this uh, idea that's out there. The second big problem that we find is the virgin birth of Christ. If, uh, if, if supernatural beings were having sex with humans, the virgin birth of Christ probably ain't that big a deal. Because uh, it had been happening all along. You don't find it in the Bible. It's not even inferred. And I think anything of this magnitude would have been clearly spelled. Well, that's why the flood had to come. No, that's not what the Bible says. It said man had corrupted himself. There's nothing that he imagined he could not do. That's what it was. Not because there were half breeds on the earth. It doesn't ever say that, but they add stuff in. Well, the book of Enoch says, quits, quit quoting, I tell people, books that aren't canonized. Why don't you start quoting Mad Magazine as well? See, this is the problem. Your thoughts, John?
3: Well, I do think there are, you know, passages of scripture that time to time people go back and forth on. And it's interesting, Mike. You'll read some particular commentator from whenever, and he'll say this on a passage, scholarly. Then you see another guy on this side, equal scholarship, say something the exact opposite. And um, what we know for sure is that the sons of God had relationships with the daughters of men and evil came over the earth. And the reason I I just, sometimes it's good to just simplify it. What does it say? And it says what it says, and you can leave it at that and accept that. And... um, and it's not a salvation—not not that you're making it this, Charles, at all. But it's not a salvation issue. And sometimes people get get hung up in the weeds on different things. And I was telling Mike one time, a guy came to our church and said, "Listen, whatever your take is on Genesis six is going to determine whether or not we come to your church." So were these who were the sons of God? I'm thinking, listen, I can tell you who the son of God is. It's Jesus. How about we talk about that? And maybe that <laughs> should determine whether or not you're going to go to our church because that's the one son of God that we want to be uh, be aware of and know of personally. But You know, it's good to seek these things out, to go to Scripture, to dig deep, but also at times just to accept what it says, to accept it in its context, in what it says, and and then it doesn't get confusing or off. And um, and so it's okay to ask questions, but it's also good to be a good student of the Word, compare Scripture with Scripture.
1: Yeah. John, the book of John says, to them gave he power, speaking of us as humans, to them gave he power to become the sons of God to as many as them that would believe on his name. Mm. So important in these days that we live in. And so I hope that uh, Charles answers it for you. And uh, if you like, stay on the line. Send you out the movie Jesus. For for Luis, Ronald, Robert, please call us. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Promise, no waiting. John, thank you so much for being on the air today. Always appreciate your insight and your love and your heart. Continue to pray for the people of Maui. Again, uh, they need our prayers. And again, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. God bless you.
2: Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.